Conscious Living Show with your host Jan and Bill Moore. We'll take a moment to thank John Fogarty for that song Mystic Highway that we opened the show with. That is off John's latest album, Wrote a Song for Everyone. Fourteen great guest artists and a great album overall. Thank you again to John Fogarty for that opening. And we hope you'll enjoy today's show and all of our shows because our intention is that they will empower you to live with power, passion, and purpose, and manifest happiness and prosperity, harmony and well-being. We'll be interviewing expert guests on conscious evolution, personal empowerment, conscious business, natural health, and how to create a conscious lifestyle, and many other interesting topics. So without further ado, over to my lovely wife, Jan. Thank you, Bill. Hello, everyone. This is Jan, and thank you for listening to The Conscious Living Show. Today, we're going to discover the way to natural weight loss with Mark and Margie Burton. And the really fun thing for me is that, interestingly, although they both live in Florida, Mark is actually um, a Brit as well. And we actually live for quite a while, I think, in the same area. So it's really great to have another Brit on the show and another multicultural international couple with us. So Margie and Mark coach people all over the world to naturally lose weight and keep it off for good. They don't do diets, quick fixes, pills, potions, or powders. What they do is help their clients to achieve long-term weight loss without missing out on foods they love. Life is comprised of a series of choices. All Just Choice was set up to help their clients to consciously make healthier choices each and every day. All Just Choice is their program. Their weight loss coaching and programs are rooted firmly around three key concepts. Simple, great-tasting, natural, whole foods, a way of eating that embraces the way our bodies are designed to work, and mindset, and I must say I agree with this, the most important of the three. Implementing these concepts with their structured program delivers incredible results, and they enjoy working one-on-one with their clients to watch those results blossom. Their program, All Just Choice, started as a culmination of Mark and Margie's life experiences. Early on in their relationship, they recognized that their backgrounds and experience were complementary. This synergy enabled them to evolve their methods and philosophies to health, finances, and parenting, transforming their own lives. Mark and Margie are now devoting their lives to coaching and mentoring people to achieve the same success that they have achieved. So I'm delighted to welcome you, Mark and Margie. Um, Welcome to the show and say hello to our listeners. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you, Jan. Lovely to talk to you. Yeah, great to have you. So we've got some great conversation coming up with some wonderful questions to to ask you. So I'm going to start, as I often do with my clients, sorry, with my guests, not my clients on this occasion, um, Tell me, Margie, we'll start with you. Why did you start on this path? Well, you know, it's interesting because as a mom, you know, we often look towards taking care of our kids and everybody else, and we tend to uh, prioritize ourselves at the bottom. And I actually started on my health, um, healthy journey because of my daughter. My daughter was diagnosed at 10 and a half with severe anxiety and depression. And 
probably about five years before that, I had actually been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, Shogun's, which I pretty much ignored because every time I went to a doctor, they would basically ask, how do you spell it? So I figured, well, if you're not worried about it, then I guess I shouldn't be worried about it. But through looking for options for her, because the immediate thing that physicians wanted to do was put her on medication. And to compound the issue, I was actually living in a foreign country. I was actually living in Hong Kong at the time. So I had absolutely no support other than the physicians that I had access to in that particular country. Um, So I started to doing some research on my own because she didn't want to be on medication and I really didn't want her to go that route either. And through discovering what worked for her, I started to see some of the connections that food had. And for her, her trigger for the depression actually ended up being dairy which shocked me. I mean, I always knew that behavioral responses, when especially in children, were, you know, were there was a correlation with food, but I never really understood the mental health and the food relationship. Um, and that opened up a whole new world. And as I started doing the research, I started seeing um, some things kind of uh, make sense in terms of the way I was feeling and some of the challenges I was facing in terms of Um, uh, joint pain and neuropathy and no energy and, you know, being foggy and really in a constant state of exhaustion all the time. And that really opened up that whole new world of, you know, food really is medicine and it can actually help us heal our bodies. And we can do so without prescription medication. So as I started looking at that and I started expressing and communicating some of what I've learned to my own family, um, the interesting thing about it becoming more of a hobby and something that I did to help friends and family was um, my mother had gotten ill, and she'd been ill for probably the last 20 years of her life with a variety of different ailments. Um, And I kept having conversations with her, and she would say, oh, that sounds great. The next time we talk, Um, I want to hear more about that. Or the next time we get together, I want to learn more about how to do that for myself. And she would start to make small changes, but it was always about the next time. And unfortunately with her, I lost her um, next month will be two years ago due to cancer. And, you know, I remember being in the hospital room and she looked at me and she said, I'm sorry, you know, we ran out of next time. And that really hit me. And, Sorry, I still get emotional when I talk about it because she said, you're doing such good things and you're on the right path and maybe you can't help me, but you can help others because, you know, use your voice. And at that moment, um, to be honest, it was, you know, kind of a, a light went off for me and I said, you know what, this is what I want to do for other people. I couldn't help her, but I knew in my heart of hearts that I have an opportunity to share what I've learned and be able to help other people so that it's not too late for them. And so that's really how I got involved. Um, And of course, you know, with meeting, you know, Mark, my husband, and he himself was on a similar path to healthy living. um, It actually created a great, not just, you know, um, loving um, marriage and, you know, friendship in terms of what we had together, but a great, um, business opportunity for us to be able to leverage our own passion and skills for what we had. 
Yeah, what a wonderful message from your mother, uh, Margie, you know, to really encapsulate the ability that you have to help people. I know it's sad to think that she didn't take advantage of it, you know, and it's a great message for everybody on a, on a universal level, you know, hits the... Um, um, the whole message of, you know, all you have is the present moment. And if you want to make changes, you need to start acting now, not wait until tomorrow because tomorrow never comes. And she's, um, you know, sadly uh, a great example of what happens if you do keep putting things off. But I'm also interested by that um, discovery with your daughter about depression being triggered by dairy. I mean, obviously... Uh, the food that we put into our bodies is is fundamental to our state of health. But I hadn't ever heard of that association before. Yeah, it was definitely an awakening for me and for her. And, you know, at that young of an age, at 11, I mean, she felt the difference. Um, so we did an we did an elimination diet with her, and when she went to introduce it back in, I mean, she immediately felt the effect. And you know, at 11, for you know a young child to sit there and go, "Yes, I don't want um, pizza and mac and cheese." I mean, those are the staple foods at that age, or ice mm-hmm. cream, um, and having to deal with, "Oh my gosh, how do I actually make this work?" Um, you know, that's where you start looking for, you know, what are the different alternatives? What can I find for her? What can we find together to make her feel like she's a normal child and that she's not missing out on life and that she doesn't feel restrictive with having to change and look at a whole new way of living and eating. Mm, And it's such a vulnerable age as well, coming into puberty with all the things that 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 entails and, you know, identity and self-esteem and everything else. So it's really beneficial that you discovered that without her having to go through a period of uh, really difficult times with depression. And so many more young teenagers are suffering depression now. It's, it's quite sad. So I'm sure we can talk more about this in, uh, as the show goes on. Um, Mark, I'd like to turn to you now and say, what was it that put you on this path? Well, I grew up in the UK by, by the accent. We've already had sort of slight introduction. Um, yes. I, I grew up in and my uh, dad was obviously the farmer, and my mum was a natural therapist. And... For many years, she uh, attempted to educate me on, you know, eating healthy and all sorts of wonderful uh, approaches to natural therapy. She was a, a chiropractor and a homeopath, and a, um, <clears throat> she did flower remedies and I applied kinesiology and all sorts of stuff. And you know, a lot of that stuck with me, but when it came to eating, it didn't really, um, it didn't really rub off. And unfortunately, I lost both my parents by the time I was 19. So my dad had major heart issues. And my mother died of an aneurysm to the brain caused by high blood pressure. And at 19 years old, I was also diagnosed with high blood pressure. So it it was um, a bit of an issue equipped to deal with, uh, A, the grief I had at that stage of my life, or uh, the fact that I needed to kind of take my own health Seriously, and over the next, um, getting on for 10 years, 
I piled weight on and I ended up at one point at 270 pounds and I'm, I'm only five foot seven. So I'm not, um, you know, I'm not a big, tall, strapping guy. <laughs> and it just became um, too much. And one day I thought to myself, as I was getting towards 30, you know, my mum was only um, about 12, 13 years older than me when, you know, when, when she died. And I thought, you know, I really need to, to sort this out. So you know, I came from a position of, you know, I'm going to hit my 30s, I'm going to get in towards my 40s, and you know what, I'm not going to be in a better position to to kind of live a, a longer and more fruitful life. So, you know, there was somewhat fear, uh, I think, driving my change to, to my diet. Um, but over that then period of time of the next sort of 10 or 15 years, I um, I tried all sorts of diets um, to from from the extreme of, of fasting for um, for six weeks um, on just water to um, to Weight Watchers to Slimming World to uh, Atkins uh, I'm trying to think there's there's probably a couple of others too I just you know basic calorie counting um, you know, I, I tried a lot of stuff and I, you know, I made the same mistakes that everybody else makes, you know, I would lose 20, 30 pounds, 40 pounds maybe. And then I would put the weight back on again because I wouldn't be able to sustain what I was doing. And, uh, so, you know, the, the, the quest was there. I was working with a natural therapist in the UK to kind of address all sorts of issues, both, uh, in my and in my, um, physical, uh, body to make sure I was working my best and one of those things was to, to really look at the food and you know how I was eating and really most of, of everything that I that I kind of put into my mouth and make the, the fuel I was inputting a, um, a much more efficient source mm, interesting story how um, things can trigger on recognition of the need to change and very sad to hear about your parents Mark that must have been devastating to lose both parents at such a young age yeah it was, I mean it was tough but you know I don't know it's kind of a hard one to kind of go through I mean I think you know I wasn't particularly emotionally well developed at that age so um, my mum first when I was 16 years old and I think you know I shut down emotionally quite a lot at that point and my father died, you know, I wasn't as open to the pain I deal with the grief in different ways, you know, in life. Uh, it was it was much to one side and just, you know, get on with life. And uh, I, I guess it worked for me. I'm not, I, I don't know whether it's, there's any right or wrong way to deal with grief. Um, but it enabled it, it me to, you know, complete an education and get myself, you know, into a working life and, and have a family and kids and, and actually kind of just, you know, work on stuff at whatever pace it kind of came up for me. Okay. So how did you and Margie come to meet with Margie, uh, an American, and you living in Britain, in, in the Midlands of, uh, of the UK? How did you two cross paths? Do, do you want to go with this or shall I go? Um, <laughs> Same story, so we, yeah. Well, I mean, I could. I. The funny thing is, is we actually we worked together at the same company, and we used to be on conference calls over the phone, and we actually knew each other for about five years 
and had never met. And um, I had a gentleman that was working for me in the UK in the same office that he worked. And I had planned a trip out there and I had said to him, look, there's all these people that I work with in your office that I've never met. It would be great to set up a dinner and actually meet face to face with people. And um, Mark happened to be one of the names on the list. And so that was we. um, He actually he knew I was coming in. We actually had lunch before we had dinner. So the lunch was the first time we actually met. And then um, we had dinner with the entire group that evening. And that's pretty much we just started continued to talk and communicating. And you know, phone conversations became Skype Skype calls. And I guess just one thing led to another. And before you knew it, um, we were talking about you know how do we make this cross continental relationship actually worked because uh, traveling back and forth was getting a little bit crazy. Um, And fortunately, at least at the time, the company that we were working for had no problem um, with where we worked. So they allowed, I could travel and work from different locations and didn't, I worked um, in a global role. So it didn't matter where in the world I was working from. Um, so we had some, a bit of flexibility there, but it wasn't quite the same as being together all the time. So um, finally uh, took the plunge, made the decision as to what country we were going to live in. And uh, Mark emigrated over um, along with his children um, after we got married. Excellent. What a lovely story. And so interesting, you know, to hear about this, the synergies and and really the shared goals in terms of business. And I say it's very similar to Bill and I in terms of we really feel our relationship is based very much on a shared vision. And to be able to uh, combine working together and, you know, living <laughs> your personal life together is really quite a gift, I always think. So Yeah, I, people think we're crazy. For doing it, you know, how can you, you know, spend that much time together, live together, work together? And we, and we work, I mean, our office, we share an office space within the house. And, um, but we love it. And, you know, we each have different pieces that we bring to the table. And, I mean, it's a great synergy in terms of, you know, our ability to collaborate with each other. And um, it's actually been quite wonderful. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that about people thinking that you're crazy. There is a... To me, this is how a relationship should be, where you don't you don't have issues in terms of spending a lot of time together. If you have issues spending a lot of time together, to me it puts a bit of a question mark over the you know the uh, the foundation for the relationship. And I always think in this environment, crazy is pretty good anyway. <laughs> Having it's spent true. four years in Austin, you know they say keep Austin weird, and I've always said. Um, crazy is the new normal. So I think we're on to the right track here. <laughs> anyway, let's start, start talking about the work that you do because it's a subject that's very dear to my heart as well. I don't um, have any aspirations to practice it on a professional basis, but I am very interested in natural health, as I'm sure our listeners are. And, you know, particularly using nutrition as the foundation for health rather than running to the medical profession and pharmaceuticals to kind of fix the symptoms. So obviously obesity has become more and more of a problem. So what you're doing in terms of the weight loss 
plans uh, is absolutely needed. <laughs> Probably the most it's ever been needed now as these obesity problems can uh, continue to grow. So, so what? Tell me, what makes your plan or program different from all the other weight loss plans out there? Perhaps, Mark, you could answer that for us, could you? I'd be glad to. Yeah. Um, having tried many weight loss plans, you know, we looked at a solution that was, I think, firstly, long term. It's, it's not a, a diet with an end date, it's not a diet with a, with a goal of to this way I'm going to stop and go back to happiness. And I think that's one of the key things is, is long term planning here, right? So it's a long term goal, a long term approach, and it requires a level of to needing to change. I think, you know, there's a lot of diets out there that, um, <clears throat> you know, encourage you to fast, right? Or um, maybe they want you to, you know, cut out all the foods. And, you know, they become non very, very quickly. And so, you know, you do three months, you do 90 days, challenges, you know, this do a, a 20 day challenge of this and so on and so forth and, and you come to the end and, and that's it you go back to doing exactly what you did before and you know what the weight comes back on and you you, you that cycle for um, years and years and years and many of our clients that's exactly helping them out of. I think that's that's the first that makes it different um, second one is that the majority of, of weight loss programs are very um, you know, you might go to a, a group, um, a group step for, for kind of weigh-ins and stuff. Or, you know, a lot of it these days is online. So, you know, people are just reading information, they're assimilating it to the best of their ability, and and just carrying out like some online um, plan that uh, that they've been told to do. And, you know, it's one size doesn't fit all. Okay. And so, for us, you know, that we have a, a framework within which we try and work with people. But within that, you know, the kind of foods that they love to eat, the things that um, really get them going in the morning, I, I would say, um, you know, that, that they salivate when they think of eating. It's those kind of foods that are going to drag you back and back off the diet. And we look to work with clients to uh, get those kind of foods, that kind of feeling from the foods they eat, into their everyday diet. So it's, they're not always being dragged back. Uh, to a previous way of eating, because actually, you know what, they really enjoy and love, um, and love what they do. So that kind of one-on-one -on -one coaching, the the one-on-one -on -one, uh, approach with people, I think is is somewhat, uh, you know, what makes it unique. Um, and then, you know, what we're looking to try and do is is to improve people's health, right? So weight loss is is the way we are the key way that we're approaching that right so we're we're helping people lose weight because you know like you said obesity is is a huge issue these days uh it keeps growing it doesn't seem to be uh reversed yet in any way shape or form um uh, there was a, a pretty scary statistic um that we have quoted in one of our uh webinars where uh, i think by the year 2020 one in two americans and margie just jumped and if I get the stats wrong, into um, Americans will be diabetic or diabetic. And I think that's a real sobering. And, uh, you know, that is type 2. 
and preventable, you know, with with the right kind of diet and with the right approach to eating, um, it's preventable. And I think, you know, that was something that really kind of struck me as being a, wow, you know, whatever we can do to try and help that is is worth it. Absolutely. And, you know, the the reading that I've done uh, in relation to food and so on, I found really interesting because we've actually been told the wrong information, haven't we? I mean, there's this whole movement that away from fat, for example, and you must move away from fat and not eat fat and that became the um, the cause for food manufacturers to replace fat with sugar and mm-hmm. a lot of people who are not aware of some of the dangerous <laughs> substances that are r- routinely included particularly in processed foods that actually play a huge part in creating this problem like high fructose corn syrup, for example. And so unless you become a real um, avid label reader, <laughs> often you, you think you're eating reasonably well, not realizing that these ingredients that you wouldn't expect to be in, in food are actually undermining all your attempts to maintain a healthy diet. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so true. And to compound the issue, of course, um, a lot of these companies, um, they're getting pretty savvy on how to market um, those types of things and how to work around it. So a lot of um, a lot of products are renaming. Some of the labels are getting renamed so that you're not aware that they're bad for you. Um, There's a lot of uh, labels being looked at as they're natural just because something says natural doesn't mean that it's healthy or good for you and it's interesting um, and we, we walk through this with our clients all the time is you, you see a product and it says um, it has kale in it and you say oh superfood and it'll even say that it's a superfood it has kale in it but when you actually look at the rest of the ingredients within that packaged food it has hydrogenated you know you know corn syrup or soybean oil or canola oil or um you know you know other types of maltodextrose which is basically sugar all these other things and what you think is a healthy product so you you go in there and you go well i'm doing all the right things i'm eating the superfood i must be doing all right for my body but um but unfortunately a lot of these uh, manufacturers have gotten savvy that people are looking for natural. They're looking for keywords like superfoods, and um, so they'll add one one part of something in a mix of everything else that's bad for you. And so, which is very unfortunate because it makes it even more challenging for the consumer to be aware of what's good and what's not so good for them. So it sounds like a lot of what you do with with your clients is educating them as well as to, you know, how to interpret the labels on the foods that we see routinely in the supermarkets. Absolutely, you have to. Um, and we do, we do break it down and um, we actually will do, we'll, we'll look at labels, you know, directly. And um, I love it when I get, um, I'll have clients send me a screenshot of something just to make sure um, they've got it right mm-hmm. and uh, while they're shopping in a store. And, you know, that's where the support becomes so important. You know, 
people are afraid to ask questions. And it's interesting, even even our own clients who know they have us as a resource um, will, you know, they'll wait and ask a question later. And I'm like, just ask it at the moment that you have it. You know, don't feel bad. There's no such thing, you know, as a stupid question. Um, better to know than to not know. And so oftentimes, you know, as I get little questions here and there from people, I know that people are afraid to ask themselves. And so I'll just, you know, post, you know, I've had several questions about this particular item. So I'm just going to share with everybody. And um, it was wonderful. I was talking with somebody just today and she made a comment on, you know, she has her to buy list, the foods that she needs to buy, but she's now added a do not buy because of something that I posted of something that, you know, we thought was healthy, but isn't. And she said she used to buy it all the time and was shocked and went, Oh my gosh, I need to put that on my do not buy list. And, you know, and that's what brings a smile to my face. When somebody says that something that we're doing has really been helpful and opened their eyes um, to how they can actually have a positive impact on their health. Absolutely. And, um, I mean, one of the issues I would have, I would imagine that you come across is that um, people who are overweight often have self-esteem issues, and there is an awful lot of judgment out there in terms of the assumption that everybody who is overweight is greedy and overeats. And yet, when you when you learn about these factors that affect us in food, that are not mm-hmm. just um, you know all calories are not created equal and actually that specific in, ingredients are put in deliberately to create an, an addiction, you realize that a lot of people are really up against it but don't realize that it's, there are so many factors affecting the development of overweight and obesity. So um, is that something that you come across a lot? Is that part of what you deal with in your program. Yeah, it is. And it's really, it's actually unfortunate. Um, Before we actually have people join our program, we actually, we we have a call with them. And um, the interesting thing is I only invite probably about 30% of the people that I speak with to actually join the program. Because oftentimes, um, number one, they're just not ready. They think they're ready. They're in the, I know I should do something. I think I should do something. Um, but they really have to want and be ready to jump in and make the change. Otherwise, you know, I'm not doing them any good. Um, and I don't want to waste their time. I don't want to waste their money because it's an investment in their health. Um, but it's it's quite unfortunate that a lot of people actually, um, it has more to do with the support around them. And I think it's the, you know, like you talked about, it's, um, it's almost like the bias toward people who are overweight, that they just, they're out of control, that they're lazy, that they're not motivated, um, and that it's just about overeating. And the majority of the people, I think nearly all the people I speak with, um, Jan, it's amazing, aren't really overeating. A lot of them are not eating enough which may sound odd, but a lot of them aren't. They're skipping meals. They're trying to starve themselves. And the problem is they're just not getting the right nutrient balance in terms of what their body needs to work efficiently and to be able to take care of itself. Compound that with they have so many other challenges in terms of illnesses, um, multiple illnesses that they have going on, 
that their body is in a constant state of chaos. But when you live in a world where everybody else around you seems seems or appears to have it under control and you don't, you feel at a loss. And that's where the low self-esteem comes into. And everybody's saying you just need to try harder. And the reality is it has absolutely nothing to do with it. You just don't have the right education to know what it is that you need to do in order to allow your body to do the job that it was designed to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I agree totally with Margie there. I mean, but speaking from someone who's who's been, you know, 100 and some odd pounds overweight or over where I am now for sure, um, you know, I used to feel these exactly that sense of self-esteem that was associated with it. The real, do you know, I, I guess almost a feeling of shame. And, and, you know, this is, it was the kind of thing where, you know, if I was eating a snack, I would want to eat it in private, hidden away, so people didn't think that's what I did all the time. Um, and, and, you know, that's, it's a sad place to be, but it's, it's true. It's how I felt. You know, I'd go to work and I would, you know, I would eat certain things in front of other people and then other things I would want to eat, you know, privately behind closed doors. And, uh, and, and it was a real shame. And the other thing just to say, which, which is really interesting, is, is there are a lot of people eating the wrong foods, right? And, and you can eat a lot less of the wrong foods and put weight on. And that's kind of where you and Margie were talking. But the other, the other issue that I found, and, and again, this is my personal perspective, so, you know, uh, it's, was that I was, I was eating relatively healthily. I mean, nothing like what we know now with the education we've had over the past sort of six to eight, maybe even 12 years. Um, but I was eating, you know, home-cooked meals, right? So not a lot of processed food. But what I was doing was eating a lot of them. So there are people who... Um, still eat healthily and overeat and there are people who eat less and are not really overeating as Margie said you know the whole point of you know people skipping meals just for you know oh I I don't really eat much well okay but you've got to look at what you are doing and what happens to you when you eat those particular items so I just wanted to to say you know there are different different points of view and different way things happen and um I think, you know, we, we have to look as, as coaches, we're looking at, you know, everybody's individual situation and the triggers that are causing their particular issues. Mm, absolutely. So what is it that you do to keep people on the right path um, on a long-term basis? Because obviously, well, I say obviously, um, I presume your program lasts for a specific length of time. It's, do you um, get feedback from your clients after they finish the program in terms of how, they, how they're maintaining that healthy way of living? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, we once a client of ours is, is always a client. I think that's the first thing Margie would say. Once you're part of the family, you're part of the family, and, and mm-hmm. you never lose the ability to talk to us and and get in touch with us and, and really ask questions. The program we have, we started out as a six-week program. Uh, and based on feedback from clients, you know, we changed that very quickly into a, a 12-week program. And, uh, you know, we feel that's kind of long enough to get some pretty good habits in place. Uh, but it's still, you know, people are still at, um, I won't say at risk, but... there is still the possibility of them, you know, changing back. I mean, that's the same all the way through their life, right? 
Oh, yeah, it's uh, the same you, with anything, isn't it? That yeah. you, you can revert back to habits. Yeah, but what we try and what we what we do with with our clients is is you know there's a lot of psychological work that we do. So um, affirmations, positive, um, uh, what we call a personal contract, uh, which looks at, at kind of breaking down some of those barriers again to the to the subconscious. And Margie, Margie has a, a a lot to say on on subconscious so i'll kind of stop there and let her jump in um yeah so the the interesting thing is there's a lot of there's been a lot of talk and discussion a lot of research around um mindfulness being mindful um about what you're doing and the more awareness you have about the habits and and what you're doing and when the less likely you are to um, react to them. You become more um, uh, conscious of what you're about to do before you actually do it. But the reality is that unless you can actually address this, your subconscious self and your subconscious self, um, there's an area within the brain that anytime you go through a period of change, regardless of what it is, it automatically triggers the fight or flight response. And it wants to keep your brain in what I refer to as homeostasis, just like your body. And it's almost like, you know, it gives you a little bit of freedom. You, know, you spread your wings and kind of get just so far until it kind of goes, whoa, 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 wait. You've gone mm-hmm. a little bit far from home. And it literally just pops you right back to where it feels you're supposed to be because status quo is where it's comfortable. And it can't distinguish whether that status quo is good or bad for you. It doesn't have the, there's no reasoning ability within that area of the brain. It just knows different is uncomfortable. So unless you can address and basically retrain the brain, which is one of the things that we help people do within our program, um, to actually help your, from an unconscious standpoint, recognize that where you want to be is where you should be all along. And the power of being able to do that is you actually, you're, from a subconscious standpoint, your brain will start working towards getting you there. And it's, when it happens, it's amazing um, because it's half the work. Um, and I'll give you an example of, you know, when, it's, when your subconscious and your conscious self aren't congruent, they're not working in the same direction, um, it's those situations where you're going along, you're making a change, everything's great, you're starting to see results, and then all of a sudden you stop. And you sit there and go, I don't get it. It just makes absolutely no sense. I was doing so well. And so everything that we're taught, like, you know, behavior one, mod, you know, 101 that you learn in your psychology classes is that, you know, a positive result is supposed to encourage more positive behavior. Well, that's all well and good at the conscious level, but not when it comes to your subconscious. And if you don't address the subconscious state, your subconscious is always going to win, no matter how hard you try. And so that's one of the key ingredients to making long-term change, whether it's weight loss or any other goal in your life, achievable, is you have to address both pieces of the puzzle. Absolutely. I completely agree with that because, you know, I in my own empowerment coaching program, it's the foundation is to deal with the subconscious core issues that we have and beliefs about ourselves that are actually working in opposition to what we're consciously trying to create. So absolutely on board with that. 
Margie, <laughs> definitely. Um, so, what are the biggest blocks that start people that stop people from either making these changes or actually um, taking on a program like this? Um, are there specific blocks, subconscious blocks, or do you have a whole range of, of things that people are dealing with? Um, I'll, I'll jump in, and then Mark can can jump in as well. Um, the, one of the biggest blocks is fear, fear of changing. And you know, the interesting thing is people. Whenever you start down a path of doing something different from everyone else around you, there's that um, anxiousness around what are people going to think? What did, how are they going to see me? How do, I, how do I answer the question? What if they don't understand what it is I'm doing? Why don't they know what I'm eating? And, you know, I even deal with that with people, you know, in the workplace, for example. You know, everybody's going out to eat. Are they going to look at why am I you know, ordering this particular food versus that or why I'm choosing not to go out to eat with them or I'm not ordering out. And um, it's that that fear of everyone's going to think I'm weird, everyone's going to think I'm strange. I'm not going to – I'm no longer going to fit in with my social network mm, um, in my social setting or in my family. Yeah, yeah and – well, yeah, and the bad thing is, is that the fear of of dealing with that actually ends up outweighing the fear of the change itself. And as you know, you know, anytime you want to make a change, you are the the act of not changing um, has to be greater than the change itself um, in order for you to allow change to happen. And so, when fear is stronger than your desire to want to make a difference in your own life, um, that can be an extremely big hurdle to get through. Um, so oftentimes we have to go very deep in getting people to understand the real why behind why this is important to them to make it happen. So that when they face those challenges, um, that they will always can go back and pull at that real deep-rooted reason as to why um, they wanted to go down this path to begin with and help give them the confidence to be able to have their own voice and stand on their own two feet. And it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, it is a journey. It's not like you're going to have a conversation one day and then the next day you're going to be able to stand up and, you know, say to the world, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not eating Oreos anymore or I'm not <laughs> going to have that, you know, half gallon of ice cream. It is a journey and it does take time. And, I think part of the problem, too, is that people need to recognize that where you are, you didn't get there overnight, and making a change and moving forward is a journey, and it's going to take time, and that's okay um, as well. Yeah, and we're so part of a, a culture that's got into instant gratification now as well. I mean, I find that, you know, in, in all manner of goal achievement, you're kind of led to believe that an overnight success is normal. And yet, um, what I teach people is that it's the small steps that add up to the overnight success, and those steps can take years. <laughs> um, and that's, I was, you know, that's the same whatever goals you're aiming to achieve. That they are achieved in, in small actions, not not necessarily in big leaps, even though we'd like to think it's uh, <laughs> it happens that way. And also, one of the things that I've discovered in my 
um, experience with people and also, you know, my study of psychology is there seems to be a distinction between people who are pain avoiders and people who are pleasure seekers. Mm. So the, the motivation there is different. So do you deal differently with people who are pain avoiders as opposed to the pleasure seekers? Well, you have to in some ways. I think one of the things is people don't realize um, they are the way they are. People don't, a lot of people are, you know, um, are, you know, pain actually, although it sounds so counterintuitive, right, when you think logically, um, but feeling bad be, because of, you know, so much goes back historically in terms of where we brought up and different traumas that have happened throughout, you know, our lives. But people are more comfortable in a state of despair and in a state of pain than they are in a state of um, uh, euphoria or happiness. And oftentimes when people are beating themselves up or they feel bad about something that's happened and they gravitate to those comfort foods, um, they know they're doing something bad to themselves, but they just, they can't help it because that's their body craves. Their body is comfortable and feels secure and safe when they're not happy. And it's getting them to understand and recognize that that is actually what they're doing and kind of go back to the root cause of where that's stemming from and, you know, a little bit of that awareness and perspective um, as to as for them to understand the type of person they are. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think often, I mean, the pain avoiders. I mean, the, the interesting thing about pain avoiders is they they often don't know they're really in pain, right? They're avoiding mm-hmm. it so much that that it's their you know their normal state is to to run and hide from it, and you know often so numb, right? And whether it be an addiction to food, TV, uh, alcohol. Uh, drugs um, and for some people even what are considered healthy pursuits like you know people that are addicted to exercise and and the gym and and you know all sorts of uh, different pursuits you know that it's 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 often about how do I how do I make a change um, without really you know understand or how do I get them to make a change when they don't understand there's actually something um, I don't want to use the word wrong something up yeah you know (laughs) Um, Absolutely. So yeah, I I think that's that's actually pretty pretty interesting. And I, you know, we deal with so many different blocks. And I think the one you that strikes me is, uh, you know, Margie's um, gone over uh, her views. You know, the one that strikes me that that I see is is down to this kind of self esteem. <clears throat> and whether you're a pain avoider or a, a pleasure seeker, if you have a, a, a self-esteem issue around, you know, am I really worth it? It affects you at such a level that actually the effort to make the change doesn't feel worth it to you. And I, I see that as one of the, the biggest issues. If you have someone who's really kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm worth it. I'm good at, you know, what I need to do. I just need to make some change. It's very easy to lead those people through the changes they need to make. Um, dietarily to help uh, you know if if you're in the space of um, and I think you know I was here to some degree was was this kind of 
I'm not really very good. I'm obviously not able to to be like other people who don't have weight issues. You know, if you start from that place, it's, it's a very hard place to work your way out of. And it really does need help and guidance and support from the right people to actually be able to achieve that. And often it doesn't come from, uh, and again, Margie mentioned this, you know, it really doesn't come from friends and family who actually often don't know how to deal with this kind of situation. Um, often they have some of the same issues, right? So it's, um, yeah, it's kind of tricky, but, but you do have to take each case and, and work with it individually. Absolutely, and that's the beauty of the one-to-one work. So tell me, how do you two work together? Are there particular roles that you play <clears throat> in, in the program that are distinct from each other? How does it work? Um, really, Margie is the is the the main is the main coach. If there is a certain affinity with people, we'll work um, more one on one with that individual than than the other one. Um, but we tend to do uh, many of our calls with both of us because we both bring different experiences to the table, and some of us we know we have different understandings and 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 can provide different benefits to, to clients. So often we'll do them uh, together. And then as we get to know our clients, you know, if there's one person who has a, a greater synergy and, and has greater understanding of, of how to work with that individual, then we'll, um, we'll kind of split off and, and work that way. Okay. And I do think that having your own individual experiences to bring to bear is really helpful as well. I mean, you were saying about your weight challenges and, and Margie's health challenges was slightly different so it enables you to bring those different perspectives to bear absolutely and and they can be invaluable to some people you know real life experience you know being able to talk to uh clients about what other clients are experiencing you know being able to talk about our own experiences it actually can give some valuable insight that people don't feel alone and i think that's one of the messages that, that i feel very strongly about is that you know, a lot of people who, who struggle with weight issues feel, um, as we've talked in terms of self-esteem problems, I, you know, that they are somewhat different from, and it's a horrible phrase, right, normal normal people. And it's, it's just such a ridiculous place to be, but it's so real. Uh, and again, I, I was in that very place that I felt like, you know, I'd got friends who seemed to be able to eat whatever they wanted you know, and were absolutely, you know, uh, I, I use a, a great phrase, skinny as a rake, I think. Um, <laughs> didn't necessarily mean they were healthy, right? <laughs> but mm. they would eat whatever they wanted. And there was me who felt like I was watching what I ate and um, unfortunately <laughs> was was putting weight on. And so there's, there's a certain level of... Um, being able to connect, I think, and and with Margie and I both having so much of our own experience in different weight loss programs and in our own different journeys to where we've got to, you know, we do have a probably both our lifetimes of experience, so you know, to bring to the table to to help people. Yeah, and you know, for me, it was the you know, you get into your forties and everybody goes oh, you know, yeah, it's that 30, you know, you've got like that extra 30 pounds. Well, of course, you're in your 40s. You feel you feel like crap, frankly, and you have no energy and, um, you know, you have the bloated and I referred to it as the mommy belly and I said, you know, how can I have a mommy belly? I didn't have a mommy belly after I had kids. Why suddenly do I have a mommy belly now? 
and everyone just said, oh, you just get over it, deal with it, you're, you know, you're getting older, that's just what happens, that that was supposed to be normal, and the reality is it's not normal, mm. um, and it doesn't have to be normal, which is the best part. Um, but so many people default to that and look at you and go, you just kind of, you just need to get, you know, tell you, you need to get over yourself, which is unfortunate because people don't have to feel that way. No, it's interesting how, um, we are subjected to cultural norms and expectations, which can really have an impact on what we feel is possible for us completely. So yeah, a really good point there, Margie. Um, we are getting on to towards the end of the show. I can't believe it's gone so quickly because it's been an absolute joy to, to talk to you. And I'm sure we could uh, carry on for hours because, it, as I say, it's a real interesting subject. So what I'd like to do now is give you the opportunity to tell tell us what you're working on that, that's new um, and also share all the contact information so that people that are interested in finding out more about what you do will know where to find you. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, that would be great. Yeah, we can certainly do that. I think um, the most recent things we've had is um, we've we've launched a, uh, having said we don't do quick quick fix diets, <laughs> um, we have taken part of our program and split it out for people for, you know, those times where you've overindulged and you just want to kind of reset your body and um, get yourself back on track in, uh, as quickly as possible. So, um We've launched a, a 10-day body reboot, and that is uh, just a, a, we're really excited about it. It's, it's had some phenomenal results and really gets people kind of really thinking about their, their lifestyle. So those that are a little bit tentative about, about doing big change and committing to the, the big main program we have, you know, this offers a, a wonderful way to get a little bit of insight into the kind of foods we're talking about and the way of eating and uh, and really helps them to feel better about their you know the, themselves the body and um a, a, and you know a, a more healthy natural eating lifestyle mm, great so that's that's the first thing and then the other thing which is really close and i feel like i've been saying it's really close to to launching for um the best part of about three months, um, but we are really close to launching our uh, first recipe book, with, uh, which is a collection of recipes from our website, and uh, that will be uh, an ebook uh, to begin with, and that should be available in the next couple of weeks, I'm hoping. So it's a collection of 60 of our favorite recipes, it's actually nearly 65 now, um, that, that we on a regular basis, so um, looking forward to that going live. Mm, that would be great. So um, presumably if people sign up for your mailing list on the website, you'll be keeping them informed as to when that actually becomes available. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. We'll be, we'll be, uh, we'll be definitely be letting people know. Um, like I said, you know, it's, it's really great to do stuff like this is, is kind of outside of our normal uh, kind of day-to-day life of coaching and things like that. So it's, it's always exciting to actually get a, um, something a little more physical or substantial out on the shelf as it were as a product Mm -hmm. and being able to kind of say yeah you know we've done that and we've created that and it's it feels good and you also have a free gift on your site don't you mark 
Yeah, so anyone who um, goes to the website, um, there is the opportunity to sign up for a couple of a couple of free gifts. Um, we didn't get into the details of, of kind of what our program involves, but one of the things that Margie and I started doing first to kind of help ourselves was a thing called uh, intermittent fasting, and the approach we use is one called 5-2. And there is a free guide to 5-2 available that tells you everything you need to do to implement it yourself. And that in, on its own can have huge benefits, both to weight loss and to, to how you feel. So, yeah, that's, that's available. Um, if you go on to alljustchoice.com, uh, there is the ability to get to our 10-day reboot and also to get the free downloads. Um, the second one that's available is a kitchen checklist. So if you've ever sat around and wondered, you know what, if I'm going to go shopping, uh, grocery shopping, and I need to get some, some good foods, but I'm really not quite sure what I should be getting, then our uh, kitchen checklist is a phenomenal guide. Um, 70 odd foods categorized for, uh, you know, whether they're freezer, fridge, or pantry based. And so what you know, you can get to really kind of stock your kitchen with great healthy stuff to make good, good quality food for yourself. That's great, thank you. And um, just to let our listeners know, all the details of how to find Mark and Margie are actually on the show notes, and they're also on. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and those details are, are in there as well. So you can just look at the show notes and, and link straight through. Um, just as a final closing um, of, of our discussion, Margie, do you have a, a message, that, a closing message you'd like to give to our listeners? I think the closing message would be, um, you know, don't lose your voice. Um, it's so, you know, it's so difficult nowadays to feel like you um, can stand on your own. And, you know, maybe I'm a little um, a bit biased, you know, but women in general tend to feel like they, um, you know, as much as we push for, you know, it's important for women to feel strong and independent and have confidence. It's very difficult even in this day and age for your, for you to, be able to do that, but have your voice um, and make yourself a priority. You know, we're natural caregivers, and as a result, we tend to look after everybody else but ourselves. But the honest truth is, unless you look after yourself, you're not going to be there to look after anybody else. So you have to, at some point, make yourself the number one priority. And, you know, life in terms of the way you feel, don't let anybody tell you that it's that you you're not enough and that you it's because of your age or anything else as to why you can't feel absolutely phenomenal. Um, because you can regardless of your age, whether you're 40, 50, 60, um, 70. I mean, I've spoke with an 80-year-old woman and she's like, I have plenty of life to live and I the quality of the life I want. You know, whether I have five or ten years left is important to me. So let the quality of life, regardless of what that may be, be the number one priority for you. Absolutely. And thank you, Bajia. It's a great message about you've got to look after yourself first before you can look after anybody else. And I think that's a message that goes across the board. You know, we're so we're so conditioned to be self-sacrificing but really that is so disempowering and it weakens our ability to um, you know fulfill that uh, 
caring and nurturing for other people. So thank you for that. So what a great discussion we've had. I thoroughly enjoyed it, Mark and Margie. And um, hopefully we can do it again sometime soon and find out more about the wonderful um, information that you have to share. So if you'd like to just say a a farewell to our listeners, um, I'll then close the show and hand over to Bill. So um, would you like to just say goodbye to everybody today? Goodbye and thank you for listening. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Obviously, it's a it's a topic that's very passionate to all of us, and we could probably talk about it for days. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much, and um, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Um, we hope you've enjoyed the show, and we'll be broadcasting every week with more expert guests talking about all aspects of conscious living. So to avoid missing any episodes, please follow us on Blog Talk Radio, or you can visit the radio show page at thesmilingworldmedia.com where you can listen to our latest shows and sign up to receive news about the coming shows by email. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash powerful people and join our Conscious Living Club group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Conscious Living Club. So that's it from me. I'll say bye-bye to all our listeners, and I'm going to hand over to Bill now to finally close the show. Over to you, Bill. Okay. Thank you, Jan. And a reminder, the Conscious Living Show is brought to you by Jan and Bill Moore of A Smiling World. And we provide coaching, training, and events on personal empowerment, conscious evolution, conscious business development, and the universal laws of success. To find out more about our coaching, workshops, and online courses, and to get your free copy of Dream Achievers Success Kit, go to asmilingworld.org, and if you are building or planning to build a conscious business, you will find a wealth of free resources at successfrequency.com. We hope you'll join us again soon for more expert interviews, tips, and tools on conscious living, And now we will close with the Beach Boys from their 50th anniversary album, Good Vibrations.
Sing along, it's alright? Gotta keep those love good vibrations. 